0: Happy uh, New Year. Wow. It, um, it never um, is different. Every year you come to the end of the year and, and you're always happy that a year ends on that day. And you're, we're always happy about a new year beginning. And it's typically because... We're looking for a better year a lot of times. We're looking for changes and things to happen in the coming new year. One of the first worship songs uh, that Kyle sang was that he never changes. And it made me think of uh, the scripture in Malachi uh, chapter 3 verse 6. Where it says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. And I want you to think of that, uh, that we have a God that never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what that gives us is it gives us strong hope, strong confidence in our God that he's not going to change his mind. His character's not going to be different. He's not going to be a different God this day. You know, he is the same God and he never changes and I'm thankful for that but as I consider ourselves we're people that change quite often we're full of change change for the good change for the bad we quite often we change all the time and Whenever we start out a new year, and, the, and kind of the, the, even the title for this morning, it's been in my head now for probably the last month, considering a new year coming. And it wasn't the message per se, but it was just the title. And it's new beginnings. And I believe for our church, We're going to see some new beginnings in 2023. There's going to be some new beginnings, Lord willing, in your life, my life. Some changes that are going to happen, that are going to be uh, for our good. They're going to glorify God. But they're going to be changes that are going to be taking place in our life. Even changes that we're uh, looking for and hoping for and praying for changes to come. How many of you like new beginnings? I think we all do. New beginnings. We like things to start out fresh again. We like to think that there could be uh, this might be a time that I might do something in a better way. I might be a different person. I might, I, I might manage my home in a different way. I might manage my marriage in a different way. There, there could be a whole host of things that we could say, I'd like to have a new beginning in 2023. Those new stars, those new commitments that we sometimes even make before the Lord. We make them to our spouse. We make them to our families. We make them at work. But it's all about change. I I, I want God to change me. I want God to have his way in my heart. I want to see change continually happening in me. I don't want to be the same Christian... That I was in 2022. I want to be a different, and hopefully one more like Christ in 23. You see, our God, all the way through scripture, is a God about new beginnings. He's about fresh starts. He's even about those that get away. They, they go by the wayside for a bit. But it's time to restart. It's time to make a fresh commitment. And we know that his word tells us that his mercies are new every day. We have a merciful God that expresses and shows us that his mercies upon our life, they're new every day, his grace upon our life. Reconciliation, those areas that that we're wanting God to reconcile. But you know, when it comes to new beginnings, quite often it challenges us. And many times people make these new commitments in a coming new year something they know that they didn't do so well in the previous year, and I, and I want to do it different. Sometimes we call it New Year's resolutions, and I'm not really into that. I mean, you can make those, but quite often we make them and we don't fulfill them. I need to be dependent upon the Lord. I need to say, God, I'm asking that you would change this in me. And that, I believe, would be a good prayer. And if it's done with a sincere heart, I believe God will change. God will have his way. But one of the things, and I really listed five, I think you could probably list 10, you could probably list 20 things. But I have just five of them that I want to bring to you this morning. The first one has to do with prioritizing the things that matter most in life. I think that's a good thought going into 2023. We're the first day today of 2023. And to be able to prioritize some things in your life that matter most. Number two, that we need to forgive others as Christ forgave you. Forgiveness. Number three, we need to take daily inventory of our walks with Christ. We need to be people that confess and admit our sins and our failures before God. Keeping this vessel clean and open before the Lord. Number four, we need to pray daily. We need to pray much. We need to pray about everything. We need to pray all kinds of prayers. We need to have a mindset of prayer. We need to set aside a time each day for prayer but we need to be people that have a heart of prayer throughout the whole day that we would pray. And number five, we need to redeem the times for the days are evil. Redeeming the time, making good use of the time that God has given to you. All of those things require change Quite often, if we're failing in these areas, then we definitely need change. But we always are looking for God to make me better in all of these ways. I had the greeters hand you a card. Does everyone have a card and something to write with? If you don't, raise your hand. One, two. You're one of the greeters and you don't have one. Uh, To Raise your hand if you don't have a card or a pen to write with and someone will bring it down to you. A blank card. And what we're going to do with these cards. And I don't want you to be concentrating too much upon the card right at the moment. But as we go through this study, maybe something will be put on your heart by the Lord. That I would ask that you would write down. Upon this card. It could be one thing, it could be a number of things. But that you would write down these things upon the card. And these are the things that we're going to commit to the Lord in 2023. Don't overwhelm yourself. You might have one thing, you might have a couple of things, but God, that you would do this change in me. I'm going to be reading today from a number of different passages covering these five things. It's not going to really be a whole lot of commentary on each of these verses. I'm trusting that the Lord is going to speak to your heart through his word as we read them. And that God will minister some things to your own personal life. And I want you to really individualize this study this morning. Yes, it's going out to all of you, but you sit before the Lord today. And I want you to consider your own heart when we talk about these things. We're going to take communion today. And when we take communion, those cards that you write something on, I'm going to ask that when you get up out of your seat, that you'll walk down the sides, go out to the sides this way. Come down, and I want you to lay those cards on the steps here. They're not being laid before me. They're being laid before the Lord. And you don't have to put your name on the card. You're laying that there before the Lord saying, God, would you change this in me? And I want you to just lay them anywhere on the the steps here and then walk over and grab your communion cup and brag go back. To the, your seat, and we'll take partake to together. Priorities, discipline, forgiveness, commitment—and these are all words that it, we could we could do a whole study on all of them. But these are things that we know the areas that we fall short. I know the areas of my life where I'd like to see improvement. And God, would you help me in this next year to be different? To be more disciplined? To be soul-searching myself? Lord, is there any unforgiveness in my heart towards anyone My commitment to you, Lord, would you help me to be more committed to you in various ways in my life? Priorities of the things that matter most to you. Think of that. What are the things that matter most to you in life? I read a quote. I like it. It says this. It says, Jesus asked me to loosen my grip on the things that matter to me. It's only then he can fill my hands with his own treasures. Let me read it again. Jesus ask me to loosen my grip on the things that matter to me. I want you to think about the things that matter to you most. I want, to th- I want you to think about the things that you hold so tight to heart. Because they're the things that matter to you most in life it's only then that he can fill my hands with his own treasures i like that you see i want to i want my heart to be in line with the things that matter to god most not the things that matter to me the most It's not the reason why I get up out of bed every day. You could ask yourself that question. Why do you get up out of bed every day? I mean, we all do. We have responsibilities. We have things that we do. But what is the most important thing for you each day? What is the priorities in your life? Turn in your Bibles, if you could, to Philippians chapter 3. We read in this chapter the Apostle Paul giving a little bit of a summary of his own life. He starts out in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. But for you it is safe. And then he gives this warning. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. He's talking about these religious leaders that could have a bad effect upon them. That were really, many times, not true believers. Coming with a different gospel. Different kinds of teachers. He was warning them. But then he says in verse 3, 4. We are the circumcision. We're the true Christians. Those of us that are here. If you're born again and you're truly a child of God. Then we are the circumcision. And listen to what he says. Who worship God in the spirit. We did that this morning in our worship time. We worship God in the spirit. We also rejoice in Christ Jesus. We did that this morning. But then look what it says at the end of verse 3. We have no confidence in the flesh. Is that you? You have no confidence in the flesh. Paul went on to talk about this, because, and he gave his own life example of someone that could truly have confidence in their flesh. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. These were all things that added to who Paul was in his religious days. The days before Christ. Paul putting much confidence in his heritage, in his upbringing, in his really confidence in his flesh. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, Paul said. Concerning righteousness, which of the law, blameless. I thought I was blameless. Living under the law as a strict Pharisee, I considered myself blameless. But then look what it says in verse 7 But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul, this religious leader, putting confidence in the flesh. The things that were gained to me, I count them but loss for Christ. It's really important for us to remain as Christians dependent upon our Lord dependent for the change that he is doing in your life and wanting to do in your life and being found in him verse 9 not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith and then Paul says this is my endeavor in life this is what I'm all about this is why I get out of bed every day This is my priority of life, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His his death, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. This is why Paul got up every day. This was his priority. This is what he was all about. And I guess we all have to ask ourselves the question, is that what we're all about every day? Where are our priorities in life? What do we have zeal for? Why do I get up every day and who do I seek when I get up? I think those are all good questions to ask ourselves. He went on in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He says, I'm not there yet. Are any of you there yet? Are any of you in a place where you're satisfied with your Christian walk? I have finally made it. I'm finally there. I want to grow more. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know that resurrection power in my life in a greater way. Paul, he says, but one thing I do. I like that when he says one thing. If he said 10 things, I'd get nervous. But he says, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. You could put a little note there in 2022.
1: Forgetting those things that are behind.
0: How many of you had a rough 2022? (laughs) It's been a rough year in a lot of ways, in a lot of lives, in a lot of churches. Forgetting those things which are behind. It doesn't mean we forget about them, but we don't let those things drag us back into 2022. But then he goes on to say, in reaching forward to those things which are ahead, 2023. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love that. It's a great verse for a new year, transitioning into a new year. How much baggage could you hold on to from 2022 that would keep holding you back going forward? What are some of the important priorities to you as a Christian? And as I already said, why do you get out of bed every day? And what are the priorities and disciplines that you have to grow up? If you want to grow in your faith, there are certain things that you must do to grow. There are certain disciplines that you must take on board if you want to grow, if you want to mature. It doesn't just happen by the sheer fact that you gave your life to Christ. He that began a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. But it requires our diligence. It requires discipline on our part. That we might grow up. That we might grow in Christ. Reading our Bibles. Praying fellowshipping with other Christians. It's what the early church did. It was part of their life. It was a priority in their life. And are you making good use of the time that you have here on earth? If the Lord comes back in 2023, wow. Just think of that. We don't know when the Lord's going to come back. We don't know the day or the hour. But are we making good use of the time that we have? You as an individual, God wants to use. You as an individual have a certain amount of time that is allotted to you. And how much of that is being deposited in heaven? How much of that time are you doing for the things of God, for the kingdom of God, for the gospel's sake? Are we making good use of the time? Are we more heavenly minded than we are earthly minded? Are we consumed with what this world has to offer or are we consumed with the things of God? When the early church started almost 2,000 years ago, I would have to say that at the beginning of the early church, they had their priorities right. The church was healthy, the church was growing, people were getting saved. And, And being a Christian, back then, was more than just attending church on a Sunday. You see, we've evolved into that, a lot of people. We've evolved into making it on a Sunday, and as we can see even this morning, wow, it's New Year's, a lot of people not here. We've evolved into a a church and people that feel good about making it to church on a Sunday. That to me is not what I see the early church doing. Yes, we should come to church every week, but it's so much more than that. As a matter of fact, some of you in this church have heard me say, if you're only making it to church on Sunday, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's, it, I I have not, in all of my walk, I cannot maintain and do well in my walk with Christ, making it to church once a week. Some of you think that I'm here behind the pulpit every week because I'm the pastor. you got to be there. You know, who's going to teach? I'm here because I want to be here. In the early church, they gathered daily. It was part of their routine. It was a part of their life. In Acts two forty-two, we read about those three thousand plus believers that got saved on the day of Pentecost. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the word, in fellowship with one another, in the breaking of bread, in their communion, and in prayers. They did that together. And we're told that fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. God was moving. God was doing miraculous things. And now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They divided them among all as anyone had need. They were making sure that the body of Christ was being taken care of. The needs were being met. And so continuing daily, it says. Underline that. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. A healthy church. One that I would want to be a part of. One that I would want to contribute to. To be involved in. Because God is doing something in that place. And may God... Move in this place, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. May He stir your hearts in this place to be used, to use the giftings and the things that God has given to you already. If you're neglecting your gifts, you need to say, God, forgive me, and you need to start utilizing the gifts that God has. If you don't know what your gift is, then pray. Say, God, show me my that I might serve in this body. There's another area that I felt led to address. It has to do with forgiveness and unforgiveness in our life. I'm talking about unforgiveness towards other people. I'm talking about letting, uh, not letting resentment go on. Or grudges. Or bitterness in our heart towards other people. I read another quote that says this. We are never more like Christ. Than when we forgive those who have sinned against us. We are never more like Christ. Than we forgive those, uh, those who have sinned against us. You see, that's the heart of our Lord. He's a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness. And he calls you and I to do the same. And we need to know that when we have bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts, it's always going to keep you from going forward. If, If you just make note of that, if I have unforgiveness... In my heart, if I'm holding grudges against people, if I'm not seeking to reconcile things, it's always going to hold you back. Like so many other things that can hold us back, but unforgiveness is key. We have to be people that have been forgiven, but we forgive. Otherwise, it will stunt your growth, you won't be able to move ahead. God says, I want you to deal with that first so that I might really be able to work in you. You see, Jesus, he made this clear in one of the most important teachings that he ever gave to his disciples. He spoke of this when he talked to them about prayer. He spoke to his disciples on that Sermon on the Mount about forgiving others. And Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, he says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there, remember that your brother has, and you, there you remember that your brother has something against you, then leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. God says deal with this first. Get that area squared away in your heart. Go to that person. Seek reconciliation. And then come and offer your gift. We quite often try to appease God with our gifts. We know there's unforgiveness in our heart. We know that there's areas that we're not dealing with. And so we give gifts to appease God. God says, get those things right in your heart and then give your gift. You see, forgiving others is a prerequisite for your own forgiveness from God. That gets a little bit more intimidating. It's a prerequisite for my own forgiveness from from God. Jesus went on to say in chapter 6 of that same Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6, verse 9, he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Part of our prayer life. Let me ask you, do you soul search yourself when it comes to the area of forgiveness? Do you ever look and say, man, do I have any odd in my heart towards somebody? Is there something there, Lord, that you want to show me that I need to get right with so-and-so? God, you've forgiven me, and I need to forgive. He goes on to say, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. There it is. If you forgive men their trespasses, their sins your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses a prerequisite for forgiveness from God I must forgive Jesus said, we need to forgive others even when they don't ask for it. Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. There are times that God calls us to forgive, to go out, to Seek out and to seek forgiveness, seek reconciliation. And it's not even being asked for. It's because God put it on my heart. I need to do this. I must do this. I don't want it to be a hindrance in my walk. Jesus also spoke of this when he gave that parable in Matthew 18. In verse 21, it says that Peter came to Jesus on an occasion and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And in Peter's mind, seven times by forgiving seven times, that was it. That's all that was really needed. If you forgive that many times, that's it. That's all that's really required. And Jesus always takes it to another level, doesn't he? Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Continue to forgive. Unlimited amount of forgiveness. That's so hard for us quite often to wrap our heads around how can we continue to forgive? They continue to violate. They continue to do this and do that. And you're calling me to forgive once again? Seventy times seven is a way to say you must just keep forgiving. Jesus went on to say in this parable that there's consequences for those Who choose not to forgive. In verse 34. And this is that parable. It says. And his master was angry. And delivered him to the torturers. Until he should pay. All that was due him. Unmerciful. Deliver him to the torturers. Until he should pay. All that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you to uh, to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. We need to take this issue of forgiveness, unforgiveness of heart. Very seriously when it comes to our walks with Christ. When it comes to us being able to move forward in our walks with Christ. Because it will hinder you. It will hold you back. And maybe you might have somebody that you have unforgiveness towards. That you might need to write on that card. That you might might need to lay at this altar. Even this morning. Lord would you work that in me. Remember when Jesus stooped down on that ground. And began to write with his finger in the dirt. The woman that was caught in adultery. And the Pharisees and the scribes were standing there. And continuing to ask Jesus. About what should be done with this woman. And Jesus bends down a second time. Begins to write with his finger in the in the sand or the dirt and he says who is he who is without sin among you let him throw a stone at her first and again he stooped down on the ground and then those who heard it being were told convicted by their conscience they went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last and Jesus was left alone and the woman was standing in the midst And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's the heart of our Lord. That's the forgiveness of our Lord. We quite often want to judge and condemn and cast the stone. And Jesus wants to forgive. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into this world to save the lost, to save us. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. He says to us as Christians, let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted. And he says, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's our example forgiving one another. In Colossians 3.12, Paul said it again. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, put on kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering, bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. He didn't even give an option. You must do this. Some of us here today might need to extend forgiveness. Unconditional. Just simply to forgive. I think if there is that area in your own heart that God is revealing and showing you, and maybe he has for a while been showing you this, and you continue to resist what the Lord is saying to your heart, you will be held back. It doesn't mean you don't have salvation, but you'll be held back in your walk with Christ. The third thing of these new beginnings is taking daily inventory of your walk. You ever do that? Take daily inventory of how well you did today? It's a good practice. Sometimes it's when you're laying your head on the bed at night. When you've considered the whole day, what it looked like. The things that you did that might have glorified God and the things that you did that did not glorify God. Taking inventory and doing it daily. Why daily? Because there's enough evil in one day. I mean, there's enough things that go on in a day. In any one of our lives here, a wrong word, an irritation getting frustrated, whatever it might be. It can be down to the simplest things. I God, I didn't handle that right. God, would you forgive me? Lord, I admit that I didn't speak to my spouse the way that I should have. Lord, that I didn't handle this at work. I didn't do this right. Lord, I looked here and I shouldn't have looked there. Taking inventory daily Finding your victory over sin. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, a familiar verse, I'm sure to all of us, that if we say that we have no sin, then you're simply deceiving yourself. And the truth is not in us. But if you confess your sin, in other words, if you admit your sin before God, then God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a continual act of cleansing. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, Paul said in Romans. God will work through a heart that is admitting failure, that's admitting that these are the areas that I've failed you today, Not to condemnation, not to make you run away from God, but to make you run to him and say, God, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me right in your eyes now, Lord, that I might do it better tomorrow? You see, that's the heart and should be the heart of every Christian. How many of you are familiar with Psalm 51? Raise your hand. Psalm 51, a few hands going up. King David, he wrote this psalm. And we read in Psalm 51, this is a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba and committed that sin of adultery. He says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness. Has that ever been your prayer? God have mercy upon me. According to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. We need to stop blaming others and stop blaming. You know, we need to own up to these things. God, it's against you and only you that I have sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, David says, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bowls on your altar. Wow, what a prayer. What a prayer. I I said this even at our men's Bible study on Tuesday night. It should be a prayer that, a psalm that we would read. Read it once a month. Read it once a week. Read it. But when we read this psalm, that should cause a heart to the Lord. Do a work in me, cleanse me. I mean, He's laying it all out. He's pouring it all out before the Lord. And you know what there was happening in that moment? Restoration. Have you ever felt that? Restoration. Have you ever felt that that cleanness, that, that sense that you and God are all right in the moment? I finally came clean. I finally laid it out before him. I stopped kicking it under the rug. I'm getting real with God. and There's joy in that. You can also read, if you didn't know these psalms, Psalm 32 and Psalm 38. Great psalms set your heart right before God. But another new beginning is that we need to be people that are filled and people that stay dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And if I asked you, when was the last time that you asked God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, to overflow you with His Holy Spirit? Was it last year? Was it five years ago when you went forward to Have somebody lay hands on you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Was it just this morning that you got up and you said, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit? Lord, I can't go about this day apart from you. Paul says in Galatians 5.16 that we are to walk in the spirit. He also says in this uh, text, he says that we're to be led by the Holy Spirit. He also says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He also says in this text, if we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. It's all about the Spirit of God. I need to be dependent upon God's Holy Spirit in my life. You need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to say no to sin, to give you the ability to walk your walk before the Lord, to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, to do it with fruitfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, to hear His voice when He's leading you to go this way and not to go that way, hearing the leading of the Lord, walking in the Lord, Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Stay close to God. Stay close to his Holy Spirit. And you will see more and more victories over the flesh. And we're not only that, but we're commanded in Ephesians 5, 18. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that it's not an option? God doesn't just say, if you want to be filled with my power and the the power of my spirit, you know, think about it. No, he commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Where do you get your power to live your Christian walk? How do you do it? Do you just bite the bullet? Do you just, you know... (laughs) And I, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop that. Or do you rely upon the Lord and His Holy Spirit? We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to be led of the Holy Spirit. We need to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need to live in the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the Holy Spirit. We need to stay dependent on the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled and overflowing with the Spirit of God. Third part of the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know a lot about God from the Bible, and I know a lot about Jesus and what he did on the cross, but do you know the Holy Spirit? Are you dependent upon the Holy Spirit in your life? Pastor Chuck Smith once said, one of the greatest needs in the church today is an understanding of the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit. I think those are great words. Greatest need in the church today. The fourth thing is prayer. We have that privilege, don't we, of prayer? It's... Our spiritual defense. And we're we're given this privilege. To go to prayer. And and God actually hears our prayers. We can can open our mouth before. And God hears our prayers. Unless there's areas of our life. That create a hindrance. Have you ever felt like your prayers. Just kind of. They hit the ceiling. and, and, And are they really reaching God. You see, we have to keep these vessels in a place where we have an open channel to God through prayer. He'll hear. He'll hear every prayer that comes up before him, but there can be hindrances to prayer. Hindrances because our hearts are not right. We're asking things that are not even really the will of God. We're just looking at a prayer as just something that I just throw out to God when I need something. And it's so much more than that. Praying always, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I hope you're praying for me. I hope you do. I'm sincerely saying that. I hope you're praying for me. And I hope you're praying for Kathy. And know this. I pray for all of you. I pray for this church. And I pray for you at times by name, Because of things that I know that need prayer. And I know that many of you are doing the same. And keep doing it. And pray more. Pray for the saints in this church. Lastly, we need to redeem the time. Charles Hummel wrote that our greatest danger is letting the urgent secular things crowd out the important divine things. Did you get that? Our greatest danger is letting the urgent secular things crowd out the important divine things. Redeeming the time. Our problem is that too often we live by life's demands. Instead of by God's priorities. Remember that life is too short for us to do everything we want to do. But it's long enough for us to do everything that God wants us to do. You have an appointed day. that We have a certain amount of time. And God will use you to accomplish what He wants to use you for. We need to know the times and the seasons we're living in. We need to be alert. We need to be watching. We need, need to be mindful. Knowing that this world is coming to an end. Book of Revelation, we'll be back in it next week. Live in that way. We need to be witnesses for Christ. We need to make a a conscious effort to live godly around ungodly people. A conscious decision to do that. We need to ask God for boldness that we might open our mouth and speak forth the gospel give me the boldness to open, to say something about you. Five things. I think if you wanted to build your own list, you could come up with more. There's a lot of things that we can get out of priority. We can get off track and do things that will hinder us And if you want 2023, and I do, to be different than this past year here, then we have to make that conscious decision that I'm going to do something different in this coming new year. And that's my prayer for us as a church body, that we would grow and that we would see much fruit in our personal lives and in this church. And so let's have the worship team come up. If you haven't written something on your card, before you come up, write something out. I'm sure every one of us has something that we would put on that card that we would want to say, this is what I would like to lay before the Lord this morning. I'm asking that God, that you would do this change up in me. And then trust that God will do that as you submit yourself to Him and say, God, would you change that in me? He's not asking you to do it on your own. He's saying, bring it before me and let me start it and I'll work it in you. And so we're going to have the worship team lead us in worship. Like I say, as you come up, just come up and lay them on the steps here. Take your communion, and go back and then we'll... We'll close this service out together by partaking of the, the cup and the bread. And so let's, uh, let's worship.